White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing on this great evening? Oh, doing well. You know what? I'm doing extraordinarily well. You know why? Because this is episode 63. We kind of got off course a little bit here over the past week with all the news of managerial firings and Tony La Russa rumors. Uh, I'm excited because do you remember what episode we left off on? Which one tonight is going to be, Herb? Do you remember? I do not remember. I remember (laughs) Q was the one before. So So I am. That was 62. So that leaves us at 63. And I'm trying That's to okay. think of a guy I'll, I'll lead other you the... than a guy on team right now. Yeah, Matt Foster wore it this year. Uh, a lot of uh, not many spectacular names. Ian Hamilton, Gregory Infante, Junior Guerra. Um, it wasn't given out a lot, only a total of five times. But I'm excited tonight because in 2007, this man wore number 63 for the White Sox. And it uh, he's the pride of Naperville. Does that ring a bell for you, Herb? Um, so far, all I can get is the Jerry Harrison. He was he was Naperville, right? <laughs> no, but this guy was uh, like the other sixty threes after him. This guy paved the way. Some could call him the Jackie Robinson of sixty threes for the White Sox. You could call him that. I'm not saying that I'm going to, but you could. Um, he grew up uh, in Naperville. He made his debut for the Kansas City Royals in two thousand two, and according to his Wikipedia, he became a cult hero at U.S. Cellular Fields, earning the nickname Iceman for his cool demeanor in pressure situations. Now, I I was at the ballpark a lot in those days, and that was my first year at the score. So I don't remember the term Iceman, the nickname Iceman, ever being a thing. Um, so I'm going to debate that, and I'm guessing the guy who we're naming this episode after wrote this on his own Wikipedia page. Uh, but any, any last guesses? I'll give you one clue here. The soundbite I'm about to play will go down as one of the greatest eight seconds in score score history. (laughs) I'm talking, of course, about none other than the great Ryan Buckfitch. Now, Chris Ranji, who did the pre and post game during those years on the score, uh, he sat down with Ryan Buckfitch uh, for an Inside the Park segment, I believe, shortly after his arrival in Mm -hmm. in 2007 uh, for the White Sox, and he sat down with him. And, you know, he wanted to get to know him, introduce the White Sox fandom to uh, a guy named Ryan Buckfitch. And this is how it transpired on 670 The Score. For a lot of the fans that may not have heard of you or don't know much about Ryan Buckfitch, what exactly is it about? What kind of pitcher are you? Uh, right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it, just, uh, it just doesn't get much better than that. I mean, you know, it's just you got the, the setup, the, 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 the comedic pause, and then bam, the punchline. One more again. For a lot of the fans that may not have heard of you or don't know much about Ryan Buckfitch, what exactly is it about? What kind of pitcher are you? 
uh, right-handed. <laughs> I just I enjoy it so much, and this is one of those episodes that snuck up on me. I remember thinking, okay, if there's one guy we can't forget after we get into the 60s and 70s, I I, I pegged him as a 71, but yeah, I, I was very happy when I saw 63 pop up today and Ryan Buckvich's name uh, come up right there. Are we in agreement here? Is that 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 goes down? That's a classic clip right there, right? Yeah, exactly. It's got to be Ryan Buckley. Even though he was a terrible pitcher, I will say this episode has to be named after <laughs> oh, him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'd be doing incredible injustice if we did not play that clip. And I don't have many recollections of him uh, as a player, but there are some oddities that stand out when you look at his baseball reference page. So Ryan Buckfitch, uh, I don't know why I just uh, went up in my, Earl, my my Earl Weaver cadence right there, my Earl Weaver pitch. Team speed, for Christ's sake. Ryan Buckfitch, for Christ's sake. Uh, he finished his career with a negative .4 uh, wins above replacement. But he finished his career three and zero. Never lost a game in the big leagues. Uh, but he did have a six point one six earn run average in ninety seven games and uh, one save uh, in eighty seven innings pitch. So yeah, kind of an odd career. He was uh, he started with the Royals. Like again, that was in style at the time. Just finding anyone who pitched for the Royals, and all of a sudden you can find your spot in the back end of the White Sox bullpen. So he was a part of that dumpster fire of an 07 bullpen. Um, but you know he was, he managed to get a few holds uh, for himself that year. But uh, above all, no one remembers the numbers in that year, but they do remember the classic audio clip. And just anytime any any pitcher is making their debut or a guy comes over in a trade, minor leaguer or whatever, and no one knows a lot about him, so someone will invariably ask, they'll inevitably ask, what kind of pitcher is this guy? And you'll look and you'll say, right-handed. For a lot of the fans that may not have heard of you or don't know much about Ryan Buckvich, what exactly is it about? What kind of pitcher are you? Uh, right-handed. Just amazing. All right, uh, any any parting words on Ryan Buckfish before we move on? We got some grades to hand out today. Yeah, he was just terrible. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing that stood out from him except for that clip. He's lucky he got that. <laughs> not not everyone gets that. So no. at, the, at the very least, he has that moment uh, with our guy Ranji. And I I've, I think I just made a decision. I think we'll do story time with Ranji at some point in the off season uh, for our first guest together. Uh, other than James Fox, but that was only like for one or two minutes. So before we get started here with the grades, Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're on a diet or just looking to watch your weight or just looking to get more protein in your daily life, look no further than Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is somehow even delicious-er. Built Bar has six new flavors, including caramel, brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, lemon, almond, cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They are healthy. They're great if you're a health-conscious person on the go. It's great for losing or maintaining weight while still indulging in one of those sweet, delicious treats that I happen to love so much. I keep Built Bars in the drawer at work, so around 3 o'clock, whenever you get that sluggish feeling and you need a little pick-me-up with some protein and a little bit of chocolate to get you through the rest of the workday, they're right there for me, right there at my fingertips. Of course, they still have those 12 original flavors that you know and love so much. Me, personally, big fan of the German chocolate, the mint brownie, and, of course, peanut butter brownie. Built Bars are always 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew. That peanut butter one, by the way, great after doing a lot of work around the house. 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. Pretty good, huh? And right now, Built Bar is offering a special promotion to our Locked On White Sox listeners. You get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So just go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON. 
and you'll get $10 off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Uh, yeah, let, let's hand out some grades. Okay, Chesler Cuthbert, you're, 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 your mother probably thought you were lying that when you said the report card was coming or got lost in the mail, but here we are. We're here to hand out grades. We already did the position players a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, we had some little news get in the way, but we are here tonight to hand out the grades for the positional players for the 2020 White Sox. So let's right. begin with the aforementioned Cheslor Cuthbert, who has uh, appeared only in one game. He had one plate appearance, and he did nothing with it. So we don't have to give him a grade, but I just thought it was funny that when, when Yohan Moncada was hurt, that was the depth we were talking about with uh, with Cheslor Cuthbert coming up from uh, AAA Charlotte, the former Royals product. So I don't think it's necessary to give him a grade, but you know if Cheslor Cuthbert is making an appearance for you in your season, things are not going that great. So uh, <laughs> another guy, though, who only got one at bat, didn't do anything with it, uh, good for a zero war, you're mean Mercedes. Now, I don't want to give him a grade. Um, he was on the reserve roster taxi squad for the postseason in, in the Oakland series, but uh, instead of assigning a grade, maybe you can grade how the White Sox handled him this year. But over, overall, do, do you think he was mismanaged this year, Yermin? Hell yeah. I mean, he's proven that he's a much better hitter than what Zach Collins has proven uh, up to this point. All Yermin Mercedes, and if you don't believe me, go and look at his – baseball reference or Fangrass page. I don't know if Fangrass has a minor league stats, but the man just hits wherever he goes. And whatever you want to say about Zach Collins, he can maybe catch better than him, but he barely caught this year. And on the White Sox in 2020, there was a perfect opportunity to have a, a bat like Jeremy Mercedes come off the bench and give you a little thump every once in a while. I think they mishandled him. He's older, the longer the tooth. So I think he's 26, 27 years old. And I think they really did mishandle him and didn't give him a actual shot to make this team and the actual shot to, cause in spring training, he was murdering the ball too. But then uh, only that one at bat, I think it was in Kansas city he struck out. I'm very disappointed. The white Sox didn't do more with him. If they can uh, somehow hold him over, I don't know what, what rules are for uh, minor league free agency. And if the, they want to tender him a contract, I would love to see him get a couple bats next year for the 2021 Sox. Yeah, here's what I worry uh, about your mean. I think ultimately he ends up being like a sweetener, a throw-in in, in a trade. I don't know for what, but he's a guy that, you know, on the track record alone, you can't get a lot for him, but he, he you may be able to push a deal over the top if you throw him on. And I think he's a guy that ultimately will have success somewhere because I think he can hit. So yeah. I, I think also think he was mismanaged. I think you had many opportunities to get him – uh, some some love and you know we never talked about it uh, during the Ricky Renteria fired episode but uh, or really in the game recap but that at bat by Zach Collins in that Oakland series what the, what the hell I mean we could have probably spent an entire episode talking about how dumb that was and how unfulfilling and unrewarding it was but just ridiculous but that that would have been a spot I would love to have seen uh, your mean just the one at bat man that just feels like a wasted opportunity so. I, I won't assign a grade for your mean, but I, I hope he catches on somewhere. I just don't think it's going to be here um, and, unless he really, really uh, amazes you in, in, a, in, in a full spring training setting, which I don't even know if we'll get that. But uh, I mean, next year there should be a spot open. I know we want to have James McCann come back here, but yeah. it's looking more and more like he's going to be gone because a lot of teams are losing their catchers, and he's a guy that should be starting somewhere. 
Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Goins, uh, a, a negative point to wins above replacement. We don't have to give him a grade, but he, he appeared in 14 games, just 10 plate appearances. He, he was brought in mostly for his defense, and, and he did an adequate job at that. So we'll move on unless you have an extra grind with Ryan Goins. Um, but no. they have his position, they have him as DH, with a, which is interesting, and how bad the DH spot was this year. But baseball references. It's just people I see on the team that it reminds me yes. how bad the – past was and wonder why these people are still in the team type of guys absolutely he's one one of them i think we're gonna get to another one eventually another couple of them yeah i wonder if that was a ricky thing like ricky knew this guy he knew what he can get out of him and knew he was gonna play uh, a a, a decent enough defense where maybe they would have brought someone from the lower levels up in lieu of him but you know rick you maybe wanted a known commodity there which is understandable uh but i hope we don't see him in 2021 uh guy came over in the trade gerard dyson uh, uh an even zero wins above replacement uh, he appeared in 11 games uh hit 300 on base of 300 and as far as the thing that he was brought in here to do uh steal bases he stole two bases um you know not a lot of opportunities but i will say he he played a solid defense uh, in some spots for the white Sox. and the time you did have to start him uh he didn't make you look bad so you're great for Gerard Dyson i mean if we're grading not just for him and how he did just overall on the team and giving that scale um more of a curve I would say he's a solid C. Yep. He did exactly what he's supposed to do, but he's not nothing spectacular, not nothing bad. A, a nice solid passing grade of a C. Agreed. Uh, guy who we just talked about, a negative point two wins above replacement, appearing in nine games uh, in 2020, uh, 18 at bats. He hit only uh, 0.63 with an OBP of 167. He slugged 125, good for an OPS of 292. That's a first round pick, ladies and gentlemen, and that's Zach Collins. Mm. Um, <laughs> I would give him an F. Yeah, he really didn't do anything. Nothing like he didn't. I mean, the only thing he did was he has an eleven percent walk rate, and that's what he was pegged to do when he was drafted out of Miami. He knows how to get on base, but otherwise, almost a thirty uh, percent strikeout rate. No power at all. Didn't really suit any purpose. He wasn't like a guy that you could count on. That's I just don't know the reason why he was on his team. The only reason he was on his team is his handedness, which I hate with a passion. If a right-handed hitter is much better than that left-handed hitter, put him on the team like they should have put Yermin. Zach Collins gets an F from me. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I think the only reason why he was on the team – you know, I think they worried about losing an entire year of development and growth. I don't know what good it did them, uh, the at-bats that he had when he had them, um, but I think they were just worried about, you know what, if he's not with the team, he's not going to learn anything. And, and you think maybe he would learn something from James McCann along the way, and maybe that's you know, something you can't quantify, but certainly just underwhelming. You know, I, I, really, I really am – 
petrified thinking about 2021 with Yasmani Grandal and Zach Collins as your catching tandem. I, I, you know, we talked about McCann. We'll get to him in a second, but I, I you can't have that. There, you need some defense back there and someone other than that can just pitch frame. Uh, Zach Collins, another guy, package him along with with your mean and some something actually good as a sweetener uh, for literally anything because I, I just don't see his future here with Andrew Vaughn. Uh, probably going to be your opening day DH next year. So uh, moving on, Yomer Sanchez, a .3 war. Uh, these numbers, uh, he hit 313 with a 476 OBP, good for a 688 slugging, and a 1.164, 1,164 OPS uh, in, uh, in 11 games and 21 plate appearances for Yomer Sanchez. Pretty good guy. I he's one of those people that just remind me about of, of the past. He did the job though this year. He, he was much better in the role that they had him in. I give Yolmer a minus. He did a great job this year. Uh in tough circumstances. Got released by San Francisco, went to the Sean Burke facility, bided his time until the White Sox brought him up when the, I think the Minnesota series was a bad series. But still Yolmer himself. Uh, for what he did, I give him an A minus. Yeah, I'll give him a solid A because I'm not a big plus or minus guy, as I mentioned before. Yeah, solid A. I think we we're all worried about his uh, his his pre uh, his rebuild stink c- coming over. And the second you saw him, we we're like, oh god, I thought we moved on. But he did a really nice job. What you saw with him this year is what we said about him every year leading up to this year, where it was like, okay, Yomer is a solid glove guy on a division winning team. Like he's a guy you throw out there uh, late in the ball game and you know, he's going to make a play for you and he'll make a really nice play for you. Former gold glove winner. And he did a nice job, especially with the bat this year. That was a plus, you know, so that was a nice job by him. You know, I I would like to maybe kick the tires on him again next year, being in that same spot, backing up uh, Moncada. So you don't have to have a guy like Chesler Cuthbert, uh, making at bats, uh, you know, playing in games for you in 2021. So a solid A, I think, for for Yolmer. Okay, uh, this guy uh, may have gotten <laughs> Rick Renteria fired, but uh, good for a, a negative .3 WAR this year. 22 plate appearances, uh, 20 at bats. He hit 150 with a 227. Mary <laughs> OBP, <laughs> and he slugged 150. That's Nikki Del Monaco. Uh, uh, the great Nikki Delmonico. Uh, I, I, we said it we love times. him. We adore him, sweetheart. <laughs> but you're gonna get a failing rate, Nikki. Um, just oof, it was rough, and yeah, it should have got my man Ricky Renteria fired. Started him five games in a row to start this season. Five. Can you believe that? Five. Wait, they went. And they some, went one and four, didn't they, to start the year? Yes. And some, one of those games he was batting second, and the other game he was batting cleanup. So yeah. <laughs> In the lineup, strong, not going to be moved out. And then they're like, oh, yeah, he's bad at baseball. He shouldn't be start. He should be in our major league club, much less than starting. And I hope he catches on with some other team and does a Connor Gillespie where it's a home run for the San Francisco Giants in a big playoff game and makes us look foolish for giving up on him type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's not working here. Yeah, fail F. Um, you know, it's not working here, you're right. And I think they were just trying to do him a solid because I don't think you were going to see him, you know, attach on to someone else's roster given all, all the protocols and just the odd way that the season started. I don't think you're going to see a guy like that. 
that that's got so much invested here over the years just switch switch teams and and find a way his way onto a roster so i think they just try to do right by him like here's your your last chance with us and i think that's what it's going to be so uh you know hopefully he does catch on somewhere because i you know I think on a bad team, if if he gets all the at bats over 162, I think he could be a 300 hitter. But just it's just wasn't working for him with uh, with this version of the White Sox. Uh, moving on, a guy who who, who kind of killed the Sox. He he started off the year really nicely. Uh, 0.4 wins above replacement. Uh, he appeared in 16 games, 63 plate appearances. He uh, had 16 hits, hit, hit 271, OBP of 317, slug 441, good for 758 OPS. But he's mainly out there for his defense and his handedness. But his injury really kind of, uh, I, I don't know, maybe his injury kind of uh, catapulted the White Sox into success. I'm talking, of course, about Leuri Garcia. I'm going to give Luria a surprising C minus. Um, just. The injury itself continued Lurie Garcia's uh, to say dumb seems harsh, but that's the type of thing that his play has been um, sometimes this year improved less dumb things on the bases, less uh, errors that were just mental, not physical, but head for slides. We've gone over this. He's been in the league and he's the longest tenured White Sox, so he should know head for slides are always bad. Always bad, especially into first base. And he got injured. And maybe it did catapult the White Sox and they stopped playing him so much. And he wasn't um, – I mean, he hit the he hit all right. He hit above average. But I grade by, you know, your availability. Availability is one of the most important abilities. Yep. And being out because of your own stupid injury – is going to be marking you down. This is why I'm giving him a C minus. Yeah, I, I think I give him a C as well. Maybe even a, a, a D. You know what? I'm just going to give him a D. I'm going to get out there and give, give him a, a D, so to speak. Um, you know, a guy like that, that's his best asset. Like you said, his availability. And when you injure yourself in that fashion, when you have younger guys on the team look, looking up to you as a guy like, okay, this is, for the most part, this is a guy who has, you know, He's been a, a a nice cog in the White Sox uh, roster the past few years. He's Swiss Army knife type of guy. Ricky certainly loved him, and he, for the most part, he'll give you a good at bat and a solid defense. But when you injure yourself in a short season the way he did, it wasn't a fluke thing where you you know you you get your cleat stuck uh, on a divot in the outfield and your knee gets banged up. You know this was like you know a conscious decision to slide headfirst into first base early on in the season, and I it just. That didn't sit right with me, and then because of that, he comes in the postseason, and you know he's not fresh. He hasn't played baseball, but they usher him out there in the postseason when when normally I would have been okay with that with the with the left-handed bat going against Oakland. But he just he looked clearly like he he wasn't in in baseball shape, and no matter what you try to do in Schaumburg, he just wasn't quite there. So you know he's only as good as just being able to to be that Swiss Army knife every day. So I can't knowingly giving give him uh, uh, anything above a, a D at this point. So Leori, sorry buddy, that's crazy though. When you say the longest tenured White Sox player, like I wonder if like in fifteen years if he's going to be like throwing out a first pitch or something like that. Like oh yeah, it's the face I mean, of, the, of the rebuild. <laughs> before this year, it was Nate Jones, yeah. and you're like, 
man, off the injured Nate Jones has just been here forever. I mean, do you remember how we got Larry Garcia? Yes, I do. Because I remember the day that they traded Alex Rios. I remember Dan Bernstein had Rick Hahn for a short show uh, after a Cub game uh, in, in the, or after a Sox game in the in the booth. And uh, they were sort of talking about uh, what they liked about Leori Garcia. So, yeah, I remember they traded Alex Rios for him to the Rangers. That's Rick Hahn won the trade. <laughs> Rickon does it again. <laughs> Finally, like he's got, he's got like a half a year ahead of Jose Abreu. Yuri <laughs> Garcia is the longest tenured White Sox, isn't that sad? Yeah, but he himself doesn't necessarily remind me of the past. He, I mean, he kind of does because he would give get mad kick, yeah. but. He could see the progression of Larry Garcia from a guy who can barely play to a guy that you wouldn't mind as your fifth infielder, fourth outfielder. And I would next year, I, I'm expecting Larry to come back and be that guy. I think it's his last year of arbitration and he should be fine. I'll, if, if they don't tender him a contract, I'm fine with it. But if he comes back, I love it. You know, and you think about it, he, they, the Sox lost the division by a game and uh, he had a, he had a horrible couple days there to start the year <laughs> so i was thinking about that ways into it also but uh, a guy that was sort of uh catapulted into the lineup more fre- frequently because leory garcia got hurt uh was able to get himself a 0.7 wins above replacement this year in uh, 93 plate appearances he hit 295 with an obp of 333 tree 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 uh and a 477 slugging percentage good for an 811 ops but it was more so about his defense and we certainly remember the play he made in that lucas giolito no hitter i'm talking of course about adam angle uh it's gonna come full circle a couple of years ago i would not have had any positive things to say about Adam Ingle. I was like, well, defense, you're supposed to do it. This is the only way he got in the majors because he can catch the ball. But he has developed into a player that's not only a a major league baseball player. He can start for a major league team. At the end of that year, we were all clamoring for Adam Ingle to start in right field, not only because he's good defense, but he was doing it with the bat too. You just heard Tanny just give up the numbers. He is a solid Major League Baseball player. Now, the White Sox need to go and get a right fielder, uh, a guy that can start every day. But if somehow they strike out with everybody and this is the guy that have the platoon between him and Nomar Mazar next year, I'll reluctantly say fine because I know that Adam Ingram could do the job. So for him, I'm going to give him a B plus. Only reason not an A is just because I feel like an A is – Deserved on a higher level. Um, what I gave one out earlier to, um, I'm just trying to think right now who I gave that A out to earlier, and now I want to give it back. <laughs> Today? Yomer, yeah. Yomer, right? Yomer, yeah. I gave the A out to Yomer, and I just think, you know, I gave that out because he came in a tough situation, and I was shooting on him initially and putting my baggage onto him, and he still got the job done. I know he doesn't listen to me, but still I wanted to <laughs> correct that. Adam Ingle, I've I've felt that uh he did a good job this year. And if we're basing this on everybody, I'll give him a B plus. He did a great job and I want to see him more. Yeah, I, I agreed. Uh, but not you don't want to see him starting every day next year, do you in right field? <laughs> if if it if it fails and I would yell and scream at Rick and Kenny for days on end this offseason <laughs> if they don't get a right fielder. Yeah. All right. But if it comes down to it where we just got a platoon angle and Mazzara, 
shrug. Fine. Oof. All right. Uh, I'll give him a solid B. You know, two great signature moments. I mentioned the catch to end the Giolito no-hitter. His defense was stellar. And also the the the, uh, the plate appearance in that twin series, uh, mm-hmm. helping the Sox, you know, clinch their first postseason berth. Uh, that, that, that epic game, the back-and-forth game, uh, I believe Dylan C. started that night, but late in the game, Adam Engel comes on uh, with, the, with the runner on, and he, he, he fakes like he's going to bunt and then pulls it back and, and ropes a base hit. Uh, out in the left field. It was one of the great moments that I remember this year. But, yeah, just a, a solid year, and we, we gave him praise all year. Like, there are certain guys that we've, we've talked about all season long, more so than others. But I think Adam Engel's on that list of guys that, that, that really took the next stride uh, in, in terms of his development this year when it would have been easy to just write him off. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I would have liked to see him in the lineup more. And I think he's a really good fourth outfielder on a very good team. So, uh, you know, if they make an upgrade in right field, I think his, his presence will be will loom even larger. But uh, he could surprise some folks and take another step next year. But uh, it, it certainly uh, was, was great to see from Adam Engel in 2020. Locked on White Sox is also brought to you tonight by rockauto.com. Hey, folks, fall is here, and it's going to leave as quick as it arrived, and that means winter's right around the corner. So you're going to want to make sure your car is running in tip-top shape this winter, and if you need parts, look no further than rockauto.com. You see, when you go into one of those chain stores that everyone has every couple blocks, they have different price tiers for guys like you and me or professional mechanics. You're paying a different price than what a professional mechanic is paying. Meanwhile, at rockauto.com, you're paying the same price no matter who you are. And at rockauto.com, their inventory is so vast, you can find everything you're looking for from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks, and it's delivered right to your door. And best of all, rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you don't have to? Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And do us a favor, write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Next up is where we're closing out our grades here for the position players for the 2020 White Sox. Uh, one and a half wins above replacement uh, in 111 plate appearances, 97 at bats. He hit 289 with a 360 OBP, slugged 536, good for an 896 OPS. Uh, seven home runs uh, and many big, big home runs. And uh, he's James McCann. We mentioned him earlier. Herbie James McCann this year. I'm gonna give James McCann an A minus. He was a perfect backup. Should have been starting. He's probably had a better year than Yasmani Grandal, both with the bat and with the glove. Just uh, the progression he's gone through. Um, the fact that Lucas Giolito is his guy. He's, I don't like personal catcher days, but it's worked out with those two where Lucas is comfortable and James is comfortable calling these good pitches. And with the bat, man, I wouldn't have saw this when he came over for Detroit. Detroit just let him go. Uh, as a guy that was arbitration eligible, they're like, no, nah, we're good. And when he came over, signed a free agent contract with the White Sox, I was like, all right, this is going to be a nice solid backup or to Welly Castillo, which is weird to say. Um, and no, the guy has turned himself into one of the premier free agents of this offseason that's going to go on. A minus for me. I uh, wish, hope, pray that the White Sox can bring him back. But if they got to prioritize starting pitching, right fielder, DH, 
first, I would understand them saying, hey, we don't have 10 to 12 million to spend on another catcher where we are spending this much on Yasmani. So good luck to him. I hope he comes back. But if he doesn't, man, it's been a great two years with Jason Cam. Yeah, I give him a solid A. You know, it's it's hard to argue. And I think the, James McCann, you know, whatever happens going forward with him, I think we can always credit him with the White Sox waking up a bit and realize that they were behind the curve. And I remember hearing stories about James McCann showing – uh, the entire pitching staff how to, how to implement a, a game plan, a scouting report against an opposing team in a modern way, things that he learned while in Detroit and things that the, the White Sox hadn't seen. And that's what uh, got Lucas Giolito so so enthralled with having him behind the plate is the, the approach and the preparation. You can't have too many of those guys. You know, if you have one of those guys, you got to try to hold on to them. But I, I just don't think the finances are going to be able to work. I, I, I really hope that he sticks around because that's just a guy that you love to have on your ball club. Smart, uh, plays hurt, tough, uh, gives you a little pop every now and then. He keeps the running game at bay when he's behind the dish and maybe he could work a little bit on the framing. He did get better this year in that regard. But you know, this is one of those things where I think about Chris Sale and Tyler Flowers. Remember when they, when I think it was they traded Tyler Flowers or they didn't tender him um, mm-hmm. when he went back to the Braves, and there was a lot, lot to be made about that. But uh, Chris Sale was almost never the same uh, after that point after Tiflo left. So you know, I wonder if they learned their lesson from that. You know that the, the the details do matter, and I hope they do overpay. They may realize that he's worth more to us than maybe he would be to someone else, at least from a from a bigger picture standpoint. But maybe it's because of his uh, presence. Maybe they realize, man, this is this should be what we get day in and day out from our coaching staff and in, in our in our uh, implemented game plan. But he's he he brought this to the table, and maybe you know we can thank him for that. And maybe he they sort of cha- he changed the way that they thought about all of it going forward. And I I think it certainly had something to do with with their decision to fire Renteria. Is things like that things that they realized that they were not doing to the to the fullest capabilities that they have uh, at their power in the organization. So uh, solid A for for James McCann for me. Uh, lastly, rounding out the bench, Danny Mendick. Uh, he created the dancing for dubs, of course, in 33 games, uh, 114 plate appearances, hit 243, OBP of 281, slug 383, good for a 664 OPS, uh, belted three homers on the year, and, of course, the dancing for dubs. Uh, .3 wins above replacement, Danny Mendick. I'm going to give Danny Mendick a C minus. He was decent for what the role he was asked to play. This is a rookie year. I think the highlight for me of him was he being part of the home run barrage at Wrigley field, yep. uh, crushed John Lester for a deep ball. Just a guy. Yeah. Like you were saying they him and uh, Zach Collins and eventually Yomer Sanchez doing the dance of her dubs. Always good to see got devoted down to Schomburg at the end of the year, which we uh, kept uh, found a way to keep him on the team because he has good speed and could play a multiple positions at there, but it was kind of redundant with Yomer being there also. And then also Lurie eventually getting on the team. So a C minus I'm going to give the kid. So I I'm looking forward to him being on the team maybe next year or if he's not I can understand because we already have redundancy there still with Laurie and Yomer probably for the most part coming back yeah I give him a C 
Um, you know, really solid defense too when he was in there. Um, you know, it's, it's really got exposed towards the end of, of, of his season there with the bat. But while he was in there playing a solid defense and giving you just good enough offense, he was one of the main reasons why the offense started to to put it all together. And you know, it just another guy is just tough as nails out there. And when he plays a good defense for you, so that's that's a good guy to have around. You know, I, I was thinking about him versus Yolmer next year. You know, that's that that'll be an interesting conundrum. I think you go with the younger guy uh, with a little more upside possibly. But I think he showed you that 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 he belongs at at this level, and hopefully he can put it together for a, a full season and be another uh, resource for you going forward so there it is that's our bench player grades for the 2020 season for the chicago white Sox. tune in tomorrow when we'll have our mailbag episode and then on tuesday we will finish it off with our starting nine grades i'm looking forward to those i can't wait to see exactly what grades we're going to give edwin encarnacion and nomar mazar tanny <laughs> yeah, who, what could they possibly be? I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, it, it should be a fun week, so we'll have that. And then we'll also preview some managerial candidates later on in the week as the World Series is going on. We'll weigh in with our thoughts about that as well. But yeah, uh, yeah, look, looking forward to, to this week, man. It should be interesting, and, and we still got some grades out there for you guys. So yeah, stay tuned, all right? But uh, that's all I got for you guys tonight. All right, it's not too late to get in your last second mailbag monday questions we haven't done one in a couple weeks because of the news that happened last week so it's locked on socks at gmail.com locked on socks at gmail.com if we don't get it in this episode maybe we'll get in the next episode locked on socks at gmail.com questions comments whatever we read them all not all of them make it to the episode so for chris Tannehill, follow him on twitter at chris Tannehill. me herb lawrence ecknerwall 23 the show is at locked on socks both on Instagram and on Twitter. So thank you for joining us on this reserve 2020 great edition of locked on socks.